Hi, everybody. My name is Brenda Romero, and I am the game director, and you're listening to SceneWorld Podcast. Another episode. Welcome. It's the SceneWorld Podcast. My name is AJ. I am not in my normal place that I'll be in a couple of minutes when we talk to our guest. Every place is the right place as long as you are sitting in it. Oh, thanks. You're, you're welcome. You're your sweetie. <laughs> Buttering up people is one of my specialities. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, this is the second part where we talk with Scott Miller. My new bit before we start with the podcast yes. guest is actually <clears throat> that... Um, the Museum on Descartes from the Digital Retro Park is now available on Itch.io for digital download. Oh. So if you missed out, if you missed out uh, for the physical release, now you can order the digital release as well. Very or nice. instead, instead. Yes. Cool. Awesome. Um, and everybody who, who ordered the physical release, meanwhile, already got an email from them attached the... Uh, um, digital release for free. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, that means you can play it in your Pi Packer or emulator. <laughs> there you go, yes. Um, awesome, awesome. Was, was that your news? That was my news. Okay, I've got some. There's, um, I, I don't know how many I can get through on this. There are a lot of games. There's a lot of game news in the last... As as we're recording this, we're I'm actually we're we're actually recording this before we do the interview, which is exactly. probably a first for us. Um, but um, but I'm I'm looking at this, and there are a lot of games um, that have been released or are being released um, from the end of August to current. And so so right now today it is it is um, September tenth. Uh, that we were that we're recording this, um, and I'm going to go through some of the just some of them, and I'm not going to I'm not going to say links. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll put links in the video. Uh, that's, you should. Uh, that's up to Jurg. Um, but send me the links. I will okay. put them in. Okay. Because um, he's going to do the uh, the editing on this one. Um, but the um, so we have. Okay, um, let's 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 see where we start from. Um, we'll start. Let's 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 start from end of August. That's a good place to start. Um, Gates of the Ancient, which is a 3D space. Why am I blurry? Blurry. Stop being blurry. Because you are moving constantly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, you have to sit still. Yeah. New new webcam. Sorry. Um. Um. So. Um, Gates of the Ancient, which is a very elite-like game, uh, a little bit, a, a little bit, um, looks a little bit nicer. Um, there is, and I'm getting most of this from uh, Indie Retro News. So, um, if you want to get a really easy rundown of where to find these games, just pop over to Indie Retro News, and you'll see them all. Um, this one is. By um, Doctor Mortal Wombat. Never heard of him. Yeah, it's a fully polygon 3D explorational game with battles and looting on the 64, which is, is a lot like Elite. It looks very nice. Um, there's also Cosmic Jailbreak, which was released in. Um, it, I guess it was a lost game that was found. And um, I guess they're they're releasing that one, uh, the Willow Pattern Adventure. Um, you can download an enhanced version of a game. It was originally released in 1985 um, on the Firebird label, which was a big uh, label in in Europe. I think in in the UK. Um, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, but there's an enhanced version that you can now get. Um, there is Sarah Jane Avery, who everybody should know because we should have 
we really need to have her on the podcast uh, because she's awesome and an amazing game developer. Um, she's working on a RPG for the 64 called uh, Brin- the Briley Witch Chronicles. And from the screenshots that I've seen, uh, it looks awesome. Uh, so that's... That's the problem. I don't like RPGs, but that's my personal taste. Uh, uh, yeah. That, that's, and and I, I like RPGs, and I don't really like shoot 'em ups So that's... What are you going to do, right? Um, then there's um, another en- enhanced version of a game um, that was announced back in 2018, apparently. Um, it was released originally for the 64 um, on the Acclaim label. Um, and um, it has been... This is, this is Sydney Hunter and the Sacred Tribe. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It was coded by Wanex. I don't know, with graphics by Saul Cross, who we all know. Um, and, and we interviewed already. Links down. Yeah, it, but it's been re-released as an enhanced version by Hokuto Force. So that's available. Um, there is a a port of the Atari 2600 version of the 1981 version of Galaga Whoa. is being released. Um, and finally, an upcoming game uh, by 64portal.pl, which I guess is Poland, uh, called Robot Jet Action, which again, judging by the screenshots, looks pretty awesome. I haven't played any of these. I haven't downloaded any of them yet. I just literally found them right now. Um, and it, I guess there's it's there's just a preview, a teaser preview available for it now, but it's coming out. So there's a lot of since from the end of August until now, there have been there, there's a ton of games that are just awesome. popping up out of nowhere. People are are fed up with Corona sure. and starting to get active again. I was surprised that 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 there weren't more game releases during the pandemic because, because... what else are you going to do? You're sitting family at home. issues. Family issues. Yeah, but you're still you're sitting at home. You got extra time and play with the computer, code some games. Mm. But anyway, yes. Nice to know. Nice yeah. to know. We'll put yeah. Jurg Jurg will put links to all of that in the podcast description because again, he's doing the editing for this and exactly. <laughs> but um, but also, if you want to just pop over to Indie Retro News, you'll see them all. It's it's the first thing you'll find there. Give a give a give a. Uh, uh, well, at least at least from today's point yes, of view. Yes. Give anyway, a, give give a give a um, a shout out to our colleagues over there at Indie Returners. Anyway, that was a good roundup. Yes, it was. And we are jumping to France. I don't want to jump to France. We do. Oh. Italy. Well, yeah, but the good food, <laughs> good food, but but uh, international travel is 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 rather iffy at the moment so i'll let's do it virtually if we can like 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 skype yeah if we can use skype can we do that that would be great (laughs) right right okay yes see you then all right wonderful today we are talking to scott miller hello scott how you doing guys welcome Um, it's actually the second time that we that we talked because five years ago we we talked when you when we when we were doing a Twitch show for film and games in the Frankfurt Film Museum and we're, you were together with us um, over Twitch via um, Frederick Schreiber and Mike Nielsen talking about shareware and mm-hmm. your way into the industry and um, today we will talk a bit about you rejoining Apogee and that is actually the the awesome thing here so perhaps yeah. like let's start a bit about how that started I mean all we know is that Apogee recreated we, in 28 yeah we we probably spent about 45 minutes trying to figure out the history of Apogee and, and how it all went exactly yeah, well, I'm the wrong person to ask because it's <laughs> me too. <clears throat> I mean, I started the company back in 1990, and uh, you know, we kind of it, it was just 
you know, I was just releasing games into, into you know, as shareware back then it was called, you know, where you release, um, you know, we kind of pioneered the idea of releasing like one episode and then that would advertise additional episodes that you could buy. And uh, some of the games I was releasing, uh, the cross games were doing really well. So I decided to quit my day job and kind of form FG as a full-time business to see how it would work out. And uh, I started recruiting other authors and, the, you know, I recruited the guy who ended up co-making Duke Nukem with me, the original Duke Nukem. Uh, also, I re recruited uh, the people who became its software before they were even called its software. Um, they were just developers working at a disc magazine at the time. And um, so I ended Is up in Yeah, soft disc, exactly. Uh, no one's going to know that. <laughs> So, um, yeah, and uh, funded their first game, Commander Keen, and then uh, worked with them on Wolfenstein. Um, so kind of, that's when after got started in the early 90s, and uh, as everything was transitioning into 3D, I decided to come up with a new name for the company, uh, 3D Realms, back in 1994. I just got done reading a couple of marketing books about positioning and stuff, and uh, it just struck me that, yeah, Apogee is known for kind of arcadey games, but we really want to focus on 3D games. Let's make a whole new label that focuses on that. So really, it was the same company. We just started using the 3D Realms name, and we started transitioning away from the Apogee name during the mid-90s. We still had some Apogee games coming out, but you know we knew that uh, 3D was, was the future, so we were heading in that direction. Um, <clears throat> so we, so you know, we, around, I think, 1996 or 7 or 98, was the last Apogee game, um, and uh, I think that was Star Gunner. In fact, um, not sure, but uh, so um, anyway, in um, around 2008, um, one of my old business partners, Terry Terry Negi, who I'm now currently repartnered with, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> he asked if he could license the Apogee name and also license Rise of the Tribe, both of which I thought. You know, why not? These are kind of dead. We're not using them at 3D Realms. So why not, you know, help a friend out? Um, and uh, they ended up using that uh, that name and the, the Rise of the Tribe license to work with Fred. And this is so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> it, it really is weird how this all intertwines. But he, uh, Gary, ended up working with Fred Schreiber, um, who later became a partner of mine with 3D Realms. Um, anyway, Terry was the guy who first worked with him, and they did a, a Rise to Try to Reboot. And I got to know Fred through all of this, and Fred got to know me because Fred wanted to, uh, at the time, do a Duke Nukem 3D sort of remake called Duke Nukem 3D Reloaded, which kind of looked pretty good, and so... Um, but that kind of fell through because um, 3D Realms ended up selling the rights to Duke Nukem to, to Gearbox, and they now own that. Um, exactly. But, um, so um, anyway, so Apogee had the rights, certain rights to uh, to Terry had the certain rights to Apogee, um, and but that just kind of fizzled out, and they didn't do anything after the rights of the Tried reboot. Um, and 3D Realms still actually owned certain rights to Apogee. And last year, Terry on his own worked out some sort of deal to get all the Apogee rights back in, in his um, in, in his control. Um, and and I, don't, I don't really know how he pulled that off, but um, he pulled it off. <laughs> and, and as soon as he did that, he, he asked me to meet him at IHOP one night. And he said, hey, I've got the rights to Apogee. Do you want, do you want to relaunch it? I go, yeah, why not? Sure. So... Um, Perhaps a bit of context up. here. I remember 2015 when we were doing this museum interview. I asked you when you were explaining about the history, um, how about a new version? How about a reboot of Commander Keen? And you told me back then in uh, 2015 that's not possible because you don't own the rights. But a few <clears throat> few years later, um, Frederick Schreiber actually released Red Watchers, which is kind of a reboot of Commander Keen. So it was interesting for me, like, hey, either they listened to me, or mm -hmm. they had this idea already. 
So yeah. I remember what? that. And then I was reading in the news that now you are conducting a lot of interviews because you are working with Apogee again and you and and you got the rights back. I was like, wow, I have to talk to, to Scott Miller and get an update from him after all those years. Right. Well, actually, Rad Rogers was um, more based off a game called Rough and Tumble. I know. Game I, was, I was completely unaware of, but Fred apparently grew up playing this game and loved it. And, know. you know, he wanted, to, he wanted to take that game and then also mix in elements from Commander Keen and exactly. some of his other uh, games. So that's kind of the, the formation of Rad Rogers there, which was actually a pretty good little platformer game. Um, um, it's, it's actually an Amiga game. The that's game right, that that's you right. mentioned, right. So it totally yeah. flew be, uh, besides me because I'd never had an Amiga. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's really true. I don't know if if the idea was earlier or you really picked up my I, my question. <laughs> 2015. I never asked you that actually. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's definitely some Commander Keen influence in, in Rad Rogers for sure, and I think that I think that Commander Keen is um, even a playable character. Uh, if it, you could, it is. Really. It is. Yeah, it is. Worked out some sort of deal with Bethesda to, to let that happen. <laughs> Hmm. Um, but yeah, I had very little to do with that game. Um, that was more Fred's project. Um, so yeah, uh, so w when when Terry asked me last year if I wanted to, to help relaunch Apogee, I thought yeah, definitely. You know, I, I love the idea of, of bringing back, um, you know, because Apogee kind of was the original indie publisher, and the indie scene is exploding now, and it has been for years. A lot of in innovations coming from the indie scene, so it just made sense for us to kind of get back into that. And see if we could uh, find, you know, just like we did back in the early '90s, find these up-and-coming, super talented indie developers that we could partner with and really help them make the game of their dreams. So, you know, bringing in money, marketing support, game design ideas, um, you know, help them port their games, uh, localize it, just do everything we could to help them, you know, make the game that they really want to make. So, that's kind of what we're doing nowadays. We have, I think, five games signed up now. We're um, we're looking at signing up several more games over the next several months. Um, and you know, we just got back from PAX West in Seattle, where we had uh, what, easily one of the busiest booths at the event. I mean, the booth was, I mean, the, the event was totally downsized. There's no Microsoft there, no Nintendo or anything. Right. It was really kind of an indie level show, which frankly I loved. And, and all the people that went there seemed to really, really love it too. Um, but yeah, we, we were showing off a lot of games that we had just announced before the event, like Elements and Triple Overkill. We were showing our game Dead Fury, Below the Stone, and all these games really seemed to um, attract. Uh, you know, we had lines playing all these games the whole the whole four days. So we were super pleased with the show, um, and um, we're as charged now as I, mean, I should say, uh, you know, energized, um, you know, as a company now because. You know, for the developers especially, they were really pleased to see uh, the attention that their games got, and it left them with just a great feeling that they were on the right track and, and you know, full steam ahead. I mean, you are you a VIP. <laughs> what do you think is throwing along the, uh, the, uh, the, the boom in indie development? Well, I mean, some of the games that we have nowadays, I mean, some of the games that Apache currently has, has signed up, like Elements and Dead Fury, and Turbo Overkill, if we had tried to make these games back in the 90s, you'd be looking at 25 to 40-man projects. And all of these games now are being done by three people or less. <clears throat> because the tools, the engines, everything's just so mature. You've got the marketplace. You, know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. You know, if you want an AI system for your, for your first-person shooter, you can just go get one for you know, less than 100 bucks. Uh, you'll get that whole code from uh, the marketplace, either for Unity or for the Unreal uh, Engine. Hmm. And uh, you can buy art assets. And like the guy who's doing Elements, you know, he's buying tons of art assets for, for pretty darn cheap. And he himself is an artist and animator. And what he does is he takes these art assets and he's able to sort of customize them for the game and make them look you know, fully original. But he's saving hundreds, if not thousands of hours of time uh, you know, doing this stuff. And he's not a coder. Um, and so on, you know, he's making elements in Unreal, and he's using mainly blueprints uh, oh. to get everything done. So, 
You don't have to be a full-blown coder now to write a game. Um, it's just amazing what you can do now for, you know, I mean, a lot of these indie games that have come out, like No Man's Land, you know, Minecraft, you know, Among Us, these are very small teams. And, right. you know, a small team is able to take big chances. Whereas, you know, at the AAA level, you know, it's hard for them to take big chances when you have a $100 million plus budget. You know, you have to kind of play it safe. So that's why I feel like the innovation is mostly happening at the indie level now. That's where you're going to see people take the big chances. A lot of these big chances are going to fail and you're never going to hear from them. But a lot of them are going to succeed wildly and it's going to, you know, it's going to show, you know, the path to the future. I mean, the pandemic especially. I mean, even Steam at some point crashed. I never, I never experienced that before. That Valve has a resource problem because of too many people using Steam at once. So it's uh, really, really incredible. I mean, so for for the industry, it's really good to have the pandemic uh, because people are sitting at home or are traveling less because of home office and stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, I hate to I hate to, you know, say the pandemic can be the good side but you know for the game industry and a lot of industries like Netflix you know it showed that mm -hmm. uh, you know th those benefit those industries definitely benefited and the game industry is certainly that way uh, that's one of the reasons um, you know we recently sold three year runs because <clears throat> the money is for, you know, there's a lot of investment opportunity now in the, in the game industry because investors out there see the game industry as very resilient to sort of downturn turns in the economy um, so, yeah, we sold 3D Realms uh, a couple months ago to Embracer Group. Yeah. Because, you know, it was too good of a deal to pass up. Um, Apache's right now in the middle of a, of a very um, impressive money raise that's going to help us grow the company going forward. Um, so it's, it's a great time to be in the game industry for sure. Embracer Group, by the way, is the new name of the old THQ Nordic. Just in case somebody wonders. Somewhere and, along the line, there, there's like a like a there's onion layers of, of what group owns what group. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And THQ Nordic also published Red Watchers. Um, mm -hmm. So I I know that because when we had an interview as THQ Nordic at Gamescom uh, 2018, I actually met Frederick Schreiber and Mike Nielsen in the same area because they had an appointment at THQ Nordic as, as well. So I knew something was going on before the press knew it because I just hit them, I just met them in person by accident. So, mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's really good. I mean, I mean, it's really good because I know that the Embracer group is really focusing on, on retro especially the retro PC market. I mean, just today they announced Jack Ellis is getting a new part after 20 years. What, so what is? Jack Ellis, um, oh. a round-based strategy game, is getting okay. a, a new part. So they are really, really focusing on the PC retro gamer thing. So I guess that's really good for 3D realms. Um, and, yeah. and I saw, I saw, I saw even your family was happy about it. On Facebook, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. You know, 3D Realms was definitely focused a lot on, on retro games um, that they've that they've announced. You know, uh, with Graven and Wrath, and um, exactly. there's other games that have not been announced that that still kind of are doing a, like a half retro sort of style to them. Um, <clears throat> and what's what's really cool is that you know back in the '90s. It was always a sort of a battle and a race um, to release a game with the best graphics of, of the day. Um, and that's completely gone now because, you know, um, I mean, graphics are great and everything, but gameplay still rules. And we've kind of done a full circle on that. And so these kind of retro games, what, they're, what they really kind of represent to me is that, is that yeah, the graphics are not maybe, uh, you know, modern standards. Um, but that's the trade-off you have to do in order to have more focus on gameplay. Um, and also, you know, more intricate sort of levels. I mean, like a lot of the games that come out nowadays, you know, it's so expensive to create a level that the levels are super linear. Like 3D Realms released a game last year, um, Iron Fury, 
in which the levels are super mazy, like they were back in the nineties with Duke Nukem and so on, to where you know you can find all these different paths to, to get through a level. It's not like one linear progression. You can choose and pick your ways and there's huge open areas that give you lots of choices and so on. And we're able to do that also with like Turbo Overkill, you know, where you have huge open areas and you can kind of decide which way to go and there's amazing shortcuts you can find and so on. Because we're not spending a ton of time on the graphics of those levels. I mean, they're, they're, they're still nice, but they're not like, you know, triple or quadruple A level. Uh, we're not spending, you know, millions of dollars per level like, uh, you know, the, the high-end games. <clears throat> so not only can we afford to do more wide-open levels, but we can also iterate on them. It's not as expensive to realize, yeah, this part of the level is not working out. We need to sort of rebuild it. And that's very expensive at, at the AAA level. It's not that expensive on our level. So we can possibly even have more interesting levels than at the AAA you know, we're never going to compete with the looks of the AAA, but on the gameplay side, we might come out ahead in, in lots of cases because we can afford to iterate. Whereas at the high level, it's too expensive sometimes to really make mod major modifications to a level. And you also plan with Apogee to stay independent, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're taking in money from different investors, but uh, we're also going to be an independent company. Um, and, uh, you know, we plan to be that way for the foreseeable future. We have um, you know, a lot of plans to to sign up a lot more indie projects. And, um, yeah, um, you know, there's, there's no reason at this point to, to think in terms of, like, attaching ourselves to a major publisher. Um, you know, so, yeah, we're, we like being independent. It gives us control over the kind of games that we want to sign. Um, and, um, you know, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, we're definitely going to be an independent company for, you know, at least, I'm thinking, many, many more years. I mean, I mean, if if somebody knows how publishing works, it's it's you, because you invented the Shaver concept. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that, and plus, you know, um, back in 1998, I was a co-founder of a company called Gathering Developers, which was another indie-level publisher, but we were actually publishing, um, you know, in cooperation with Take Two, we had, like, a deal, so we learned a lot about, you know, retail publishing at the time, um, and, uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of retail publishers going back to, to uh, GTIS, um, so, um, you know, kind of have a good understanding of both the indie level and the retail level. The retail level is kind of falling away. It's less important now. Uh, we're really focused on, um, you know, digital distribution. I'm so glad that that's come around and, and now become the, the dominant way. Uh, we plan on doing big boxes, though, with our games. That was my next question. That's good. The interesting thing is that digital distribution is now the thing, and that's kind of how the shareware thing started because you started doing that on BBS's and pre-internet days yeah. and then it kind of vanished for a bit and then it came back now it's now it's almost completely digital yeah it's amazing how things come around isn't it um, yeah we were doing this before the internet which is kind of hard to believe you know back in just <laughs> BBS's and places like CompuServe and Genie and mm -hmm. you know AOL those were the those were the sort of digital platforms to, to you know, distribute your games on um, so, yeah, uh, I kind of look at uh, Shareware as like the original in some ways free-to-play because, you know, we released the, this free episode. And, you know, back in the day, I used to say that, you know, Shareware really only works if your game is good because you have to put uh, your, your best leg forward with that free episode. And if it doesn't win people over, they're not going to buy your game. So yeah. you have to release a great game in order to, to do well in Shareware. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we still feel the same way. You know, you have to, you have to have. You know, people are not going to buy. You can't trick people into buying bad games. You have to, you have to make good ones. So we're still focused yeah. really on that. Well, now nowadays, um, I think people are a lot focused on Metacritics and what the rating on Steam is. If it's mixed or negative or something, <clears throat> and and of of course you can you can still you can still download a demo. But but since especially Steam and other platforms has you know promotions and stuff, people often say like okay it's twenty percent off. 
are just by the game because the critics are good. They are not even looking at a demo, which would come close to the Shaver example that you that you said. So I guess it's it has a lot to do with reputation. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it, nothing's really changed from the old days in, in, the, in the fact that you know if your game's getting good buzz, good word of mouth. That's the main thing that you want. Uh, you know, and nowadays it's easier to get that buzz because we have social platforms like Twitter and so on. Uh, but it's still, you know, if people are talking about your game, that's what you want. Uh, that's what's going to get people, you know, to take a look at it and hopefully try it out. Or you have the negative backlash. Um, I mean, I mean, look at Cyberpunk or at uh, at um, No Man's Sky. Those are two two uh, cri critical examples where mm -hmm. the companies were prom promising too much and then ended up in crunch time and and, and so ever. Uh, so, but I mean, that is also the positive thing about, as I said, non triple A indie titles that don't have so much crunch time, I hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the indie scene is, 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 is very different because, you, you know, it's, it's all about being more nimble. Uh, you can react to, you know, uh, yeah, like we plan on releasing demos for all of our games, and based on the feedback to those demos, we can react pretty easily to, you know, improvements to our games you know to what we uh, people want like even at pax um i told everyone uh, all of our developers who were going there to bring like a little notebook like this and just to write down everything they could based on people's reactions and in each case people wrote down you know dozens upon dozens of like little notes that will improve the game based on how they saw people playing these games you know their games at pax and so on so um it's it's really great to sort of be nimble, be able to to you know listen to, to player comments. Uh, it's not that hard to implement uh, you know new ideas and stuff that players have. So you know we're very open to that. Hmm. Um, what platforms are you trying hmm. to to target on? Is it mainly PC or are you are you are you also looking at at Twitch and uh, Switch hmm. and and other um, console systems? I believe. I mean, we generally want to release our game on all four major platforms. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, there might be some exceptions there, um, but uh, you know, when we sign our teams up, that's one of our selling points: is that we want to do a simultaneous release on all four platforms. And nowadays, that's not that hard because you know, <laughs> with these engines, you know, it makes it very easy yeah, to right. do that. Um, <clears throat> uh, Plus, a lot of the, the lower-end hardware is, you know, Android-based or something, you know. I mean, you look at the, like, the, the, the Amico, and, and that's supposed to be coming out, and cell phone stuff and mm -hmm. whatnot. A lot of that tablet, you know, the um, more casual gaming is, is basically the same platform. Yeah. We ourselves are not really looking at the mobile market currently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a very different market. I think you have to really design your game almost specifically for that if you're going to do mm -hmm. like a free play release. Um, it's not, uh, we, we may look into that if the right game comes along, but right now that's not really one of the platforms we're looking at. You know, we're mm -hmm. looking at the consoles and the PC. I mean, especially every time some publisher or company announce a successor of a game people know from consoles and they say as soon as they say it's on the mobile market there is a big outcry recently happening with wipe out mm -hmm. everybody is like oh no why are you doing it mobile only well because you can't play them it's not the same the gameplay isn't the same you don't have the you know it's yeah and that usually means you know it's going to be you know a situation where you have to buy all kinds of things in the app to sort of like oh yeah stuff and everything so um pay to win i mean i mean it's kind of what it is yeah yeah so it's yeah. not my thing and uh it's not a road that actually wants to go down yeah. wonderful wonderful yeah. <laughs> now of course most people will say uh, make a deal with gearbox get a new duke nukem <laughs> but no. i guess that's very unlikely to happen 
Well, you know, now that the Gearbox and Gear Realms are owned by the same umbrella company, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I won't have any part of it, but Fred is still there, and I know he, he would love to do a Duke Nukem game, so it would not surprise me if that doesn't happen in the near future. But if I'm not mistaken, you are still an advisor for 3D Realms, right? Uh, that's still kind of like being sort of negotiated, um, so I'm not sure that's going to happen or not. I'm not even sure that I really want that to happen. I'm still, you know, pretty darn busy with Aptu stuff, so maybe I just didn't focus on that, so... Um, so if, if if there's an advisor role, role that doesn't take it more than a few hours a month, then I might consider it. But uh, right now, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, interesting. So you will you will focus on Apogee exclusive, exclusively yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's where the fun's happening for me now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 wonderful. I mean, as you said, Three Realms is sold to a good place. You have mm -hmm. Apogee back. And, and um, I don't know, is, is the Commander Keen thing? I think I think Commander Keen a few years back was actually released on a mobile platform, on Android, a few years back, a successor or something. Mm, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't follow that. So. Yeah, it totally, totally fell through the cracks, I think. Um, mm. Right, wonderful. So... Um, is is there? I wonder, is there any uh, photo material you could you could send to us about the um, booth and the fair you went, packs? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So perhaps yeah. you could put it oh. in so people can actually see when you talk yeah. about how how nice it was. We'll overlay it over the video. Exactly. Yeah, sure. I can definitely send you some stuff. Awesome, awesome. Um, so. You you mentioned you mentioned um, Sir, I think his name was Sir jo uh, Sir Johnson Sir or something. I don't remember the the voice what? actor of um, oh John St. John St. John. Yeah, John exactly St. John. exactly John St. Yeah. John. Will he have a role in in a game that you do? Uh, we are definitely looking to put him in some of our future coming games for sure yeah uh you know he's such a great guy he does a whole range of voices you know we helped get him into the industry in the 90s i think his first game that he did was you know doing 3d so he started off with a bang um so uh yeah we love john you know we're actually using him uh he's helping us sort of be in some ways, like a spokesman for us, you know, we're releasing videos a couple of times a month where he kind of talks about upcoming projects and so on, and that's going to continue. Um, so yeah, uh, if there's a, if any opportunity to get John to do some sort of, you know, cameo work or whatever we can find in, in, in our games, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll be in there. I mean, when, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, I know this boy, this is awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, John does great stuff, there's no doubt about it. So, um, is there anything you are planning to do now that you wish you could have done back in the '90s when Apogee was first founded? I haven't thought about that. <laughs> uh, something. I mean, we have better technology. Yeah, I mean. I mean, some of the games that we're doing now, I, I think, are stuff that we we would have liked to have done back in the '90s. Um, you know, I, I think that you know, some, like a game like Elements, we would have never thought we would have ever could have possibly done a game like that. You know, a big sweeping fantasy game that you know, in some ways, is reminiscent of like Breath of the Wild, and it's not going to it's not going to be nearly that complicated or deep or anything. But it's going to have you know, it's going to have like an area that you can explore that's like at least one quarter the size of Breath of the Wild, tons of quests, um, you know, it's going to have a lot of things that Breath of the Wild didn't have, like swimming and other things, so, um, you know, a game like that would have just been completely a fantasy uh, back in the 90s, first even think about doing it, and, and now we're doing one, so, um, uh, and we're going to help the developer, we're bringing on more manpower to help him out, <clears throat> uh, you know, we're going to make sure it has, you know, certain multiplayer modes, um, and um, so, 
it, it's a major project that just would have been unheard of for us to think about doing in the 90s. But here we are. We're, we're involved with it. And um, it's coming along extremely well. And so, yeah, it's going to happen. Awesome. Um, I was supposed to ask something now. I forgot what it was. Hey, hey Jay, can you jump in? And... I, 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 I missed. There was three helicopters, the Coast Guard copters that just went over. I didn't get any of that. Uh, <laughs> I muted my mic so that it wouldn't over. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah, you know, yeah. miss any of it. Well, so. Um... <sighs> I really forgot what I wanted to ask. Uh, never mind. It it will <laughs> it will it will come to place. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned multiplayer. So um, you know what would be good. Oh yes. Now I remember. Um, you know what would be good to bring to bring perhaps back Bobby Prince. He is so much known for for wonderful soundtracks in the old Apogee games. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've actually had a lot of contact with Bobby over the last couple of years, um, and uh, I don't know if he's still really interested in, in doing music for games, like original music. Um, he might have left that behind him. Um, and we are actually working with numerous, just amazing uh, audio people and musicians right now. Um, uh, if you if you like, listen to any of our trailers. Uh, I think that you'll agree that the quality of the music that we're bringing to the party here is just really top-notch. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, we're using people that are not necessarily from the game industry, but people that are from that do work like on symphonies and, and stuff, and actual film soundtracks and stuff. Just uh, so we're trying to like think outside the box with the musicians we're bringing in, and not using sort of like the same musicians that a lot of companies are using, just to kind of like get a different sound, get a more orchestral type of sound. Um, and uh, so that's kind of the direction we're going now. We're working with, um, I think, six, seven, or eight different musicians currently um, that are really doing an amazing job. Like the game like Elements, which is, you know, just a sweeping fantasy game. We're going to have three or four musicians all kind of working uh, on that game at the same time because we need so much music in that game. And like different elements, different areas in the game, like, Scary areas might be better for one musician. More, you know, lighthearted areas might be better for another one. So we're trying to match musicians up with the, with the theme of, of the game that, that you're in um, at the time. So, so that's an area that we're really trying to put a lot of emphasis on. I, I've always been a huge believer in the power of music, you know, in film, TV shows, uh, and, and, and games uh, also. So it's it's a major area of focus for us. It's yeah, there's something that to be said for bringing back. Oh, hang on, hang on. There's something to be said for bringing back old talents, but then, like, like you said, you're you're finding a lot of new people to come in, and you know, uh, for a while, you know, if you made a game, it was you know, forty or fifty people at the very minimum making making a game, and now with the indie scene, you're able to do it with with um, you know just one or two or three people. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, uh, are are there so now now you have the opportunity to find like like new talented people that are are really good at this and have you you know a lot, you know you've mentioned that you've signed you've been signing some can you talk about any of them uh well the names um i mean i don't think anyone's going to recognize them and uh but i mean one of the things that we're doing also is with these musicians is you know i mean so many musicians nowadays use just amazing samples of you know orchestras and so on but we're also um like for important parts of songs, we're bringing in actual musicians to actually play the parts. You know, like like in some of the music we've already released for our trailers, uh, like the guitar part is actually being played by guitarist. Um, there's some um, wind work, uh, uh, sort of wind uh, wind work, uh, how you say it, but uh, <clears throat> that's actually being done by uh, musicians. So, um, you know, we're trying to bring in real artists also to. to to really make the music sort of pop, sound authentic, and so on, and not sound like it's just coming from a computer or that kind of thing. So uh, that's that's definitely one of the areas that we're focusing on. Um, but yeah, I actually don't work with the musicians my, myself. We have a person here, one of our lead producers, who has a, like a Hollywood background, uh, and he's able to reach out to a lot of his uh, his network and get these musicians on board. Uh, in, in lots of cases, these are musicians. 
uh, musicians that never even thought they'd work in the game industry. But, you know, after they do a couple of songs for us, they're like super excited about it. Um, and, you know, we're doing a lot of even sort of interactive music to where uh, they have to think in terms of like, you know, they loop um, like a more subtle area. And then when you get to an area where the, where the tension's ramping up, then it loops into a more tense version of their song. And so we're getting into in, in the thinking in ways that they've never thought about before because, you know, their background is just strictly linear music that's written over a scene. And right. uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Well, I mean, I mean, um, games are like movies, just more interactive in a way. Um, essentially what they are, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you um, emphasize on that because... 15 years ago, the there was a shift in the game industry where a lot of music composers actually lost their jobs because um, 15 years ago, many, many game creators uh, started branching it out and buying music from other bands, not getting it specifically composed um, uh, for, for the game. I mean, I mean, there are many examples and and I, I it's interesting that now this, the it's kind of shifting back to um, hiring people to make the music especially for the game again. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that we've been trying to do, but we've been totally unsuccessful at it, is I mean, you've got movies like Guardians of the Galaxy and so many movies that actually have these soundtracks, you know, from a certain era, uh, you know, actual music. Um, we have actually been looking into doing this and uh, for some of our games. The problem is, is that, well, we actually did this back in our game, uh, Prey, that came out in 2006. We actually had five or six licensed songs. Like, I think uh, there was a Heart song in there. There was Fear the Reaper uh, and several other songs that were, like, on a jukebox or would play at different parts of the game. And back then, the licensing fee for these uh songs was about eight to ten thousand dollars but nowadays the price has gone way up like uh, the, all the songs that we've looked into are around eight uh, around 80 to a hundred thousand dollars yeah so it's just out of our price range at the indie level you know i could you know games like you know gta can pull this off but at the indie level it's just too pricey so um it would be nice if we could do that Maybe we can figure out how to make this work um, at some point down the road, but um, yeah, it's just it's out of our ballpark now. But like like I said, we would love to do that because you know I love how a lot of these movies have pulled in you know songs that bring back a nostalgic feel and so on to uh, to the scene at hand. So anyway, uh, that's that's an area another area that we've explored. Too pricey. We're going to keep exploring it though. Interesting. Thanks for talking about that. Um... I mean, I mean, I mean that that's even a topic back from the '80s. I mean, just before the interview, I was playing a bit Renegade on the NES, and I figured out, oh, that's uh, Johnny B. Good, you know, from right. Chuck Berry playing in the first level. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, changing a few notes here and there, so it doesn't sound exactly like that, but it's still very close to it. Uh, but of right. course, but of course, that's pretty shady to make something that that brings back the nostalgic feeling, but doesn't cause a copyright issue. Well, I'll give you an example here. Like when we were doing the uh, the announcement trailer for Turbo Overkill, which was announced about a month ago, I think the song that I wanted for that trailer is a song by Judas Priest called Turbo Lover, and uh, <clears throat> very good song. And, uh, you know, it, we we felt like, yeah, this matches up great. It, it has the right energy. It, it'd just be like the perfect song. And um, But it was $100,000, so uh, couldn't use it. Um, we did actually make a version of the trailer uh, using a, a turbo lever, um, kind of cut up to match the trailer uh, internally just to see how it would work out. And it worked out so great. I wish we could release it, but we can't. We just can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, talking about, as I said, it's out of your ballpark, but doesn't a name like Scott Miller convince the 
the people throwing in the money? You know, if 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 I if they recognize my name, the price only goes higher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. So that doesn't you just can't just walk in and be like, "Yo, I'm Scott Miller Pool." Yeah, <laughs> give me a song. You know, and I wish these companies would realize that you know, if we released a trailer with their song, you know, it's a win-win. You know, it's not right. like you know, it, it totally helps put their song back on the map too. Uh-huh. Um, and they would they would benefit from sales of song, but they don't see it that way. They just like they see it solely one-sided. Hey, you're benefiting from our song. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're going to get a lot more sales out of it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's happened with uh, Beyond um, Become Human, that mm-hmm. Android game where they actually where they actually made the musician great uh, and known because they put put um, an, um, they scanned the musician's face and just make, made him a street musician in the game and people actually mm-hmm. bought bought his music because of that so you're right here it actually can start really? a career for some for some people you know because they were they were part of a video game <laughs> in a, in a... well i mean if you look at like gardens of the galaxy and i'm trying to i'm not trying to compare our game with anything that huge in the media but you know that that made all the songs that appeared in that movie uh, sell. I mean, they all kind of went to the top of the chart there for a while. Right. Um, so, I, I just don't understand why these uh, media executives don't like, you know, work more fairly on deals, you know, and like say, yeah, you're just an indie company. You know, we, we're not going to charge you the full 100k. You know, maybe 10k, 15k, something like that. Uh, you know, which we would have done a deal with. But um, yeah, I, I just short term gains only. I think they're just a little too greedy. Yeah. yeah, and it backfires. Like publishing, they're stuck kind of in the past. They don't really, you know, they don't get the the way distribution and and everything works now. It's like you know, now right. this has to be like it was in 1964. Right. Anyway, guys, I hate to say it, but I'm about to cut out of here. Yeah. Uh, no problem. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, do you have? Do you Thank have? You for a, sitting with us. Do you have a few seconds so can, you can record a little promo for us? Like, sure. hello, I'm Scott Miller from Apache Games. You're listening to the SeamWorld Podcast? SeamWorld Podcast? Sure. SeamWorld Podcast, yeah. Hi, guys. This is Scott Miller, and I'm here with Apache. And uh, we start over. That was bad. Um, so what do you want me to say again? Um, well, your name, Scott Miller. I'm from Apache, and you are listening to the SeamWorld Podcast. SeamWorld okay. Podcast. Yep, got it. Hi, this is uh, Scott Miller, founder of Aptitude Entertainment, and I'm here on the SeaWorld podcast, and I recommend everyone listen to it. It's pretty darn awesome. Thank you. Thanks awesome. a lot. Awesome. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thank you for sitting with us. Uh, where can people go to find out about what you're doing? Uh, I would just say uh, our website, which is uh, Aptitude ENT, so it's, it's kind of weird, Aptitude with three E's in the middle, NT, so it stands for AptitudeEntertainment.com. Awesome. Right. We'll Thanks put, a lot. We'll put a link to that right in the podcast description below so everyone can go and check that out. Awesome. awesome. Thanks a lot. Right. Bye Thank bye. You for this, Bye, guys. <laughs>